You are listening to the Sermon Podcast from the Vandalia Church of Christ in Lubbock, Texas. We are a community that believes in the value of all people. You can find out more about us at www.vandalia.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Vandalia Church. Good morning. Well, this... I know it's been a long, dark week filled with loss and pain for many, uh, and for a lot of people that the pain is, is still not over. As we, as we speak, another massive storm is, is wreaking havoc in southern Florida, um, and there are voices around us in our culture that in the last week have, have tried to make nice, neat easy sense of death and storms and loss, much like Job's friends who came alongside him when he was at his lowest point, grieving and wretched, and after wisely and kindly sitting with him in silence for a while, they then foolishly opened their mouths and began to try to make easy and simple sense of what was happening. They tried to tell him they knew exactly how God was working and where and why. They said that Job must have messed up somewhere, and so he deserved this. They said that his kids must have messed up somewhere, and so he deserved this. But at the end of the book, we find from God's own mouth that it's the friends with their easy answers, who have spoken wrongly. That book, in its own odd sort of way, seems to be one expression of ancient Jewish lament. Their laments are more clear, though, in the Psalms. Psalm 13, demands of God, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. These are the psalms that we don't usually read out loud. We don't usually read them in worship. Um, I think we've come to think that grief and pain are not allowed, that God will frown on our complaints. But it's not true. Um, one of our one of Jocelyn and my favorite TV shows is The West Wing and there's this one powerful episode um, when one of the the main characters uh, dies tragically in a car accident and they're having this they're having her funeral in a cathedral in in Washington DC and after the the funeral service is over the president uh, is he asks 
to be left alone in the, in the cathedral. Um, and he, he launches into this tirade, complaining against God. It's in Latin, and so you can't quite tell what he's saying. Um, the reason that it was in Latin is because it was initially written in English, apparently, and the, uh, the, the network decided that it was too, that it might offend some of the viewers, that to have a person in a, in a place of worship, complaining against God, questioning and lamenting publicly. Uh, and so they, they put it in Latin so that no one would know what it was that he was saying. Um, but in, in some of the behind-the-scenes material, you find that they, uh, when they were filming that episode, they, they interviewed a, a priest who serves at that cathedral. And the priest, they had, before they filmed that scene, they, they said to the priest, you might want to, you know, step outside so you don't hear what we're about to say in here. Um, and the priest said, no, I'm, I'm sticking around. This is, this is a, a vital part of, of faith, expressing these, these sorts of complaints and doubts. And the, the ancient Jew, Jews agreed. God can handle our doubts and our grief. God is no stranger to suffering. These psalms, this facet of ancient Jewish faith, was not something swept under the rug. It was not some appendix attached, but detachable, discardable from the rest of ancient Jewish worship. No, this was a part of the public Jewish worship. Asking questions about faith and doubt, interrogating God about the real pain and suffering and loss that we endure. This was something they did as a group. Songs they sung together. Many voices becoming one voice of shared pain and loss. This is important. We are grieving today. Uh, I think a lot of us have, have had a lot of loss recently. One of the people who welcomed us to open door, a kind man named Ishmael, who loved us and our kids, passed away yesterday. Jim Beck, who's currently serving back in Kenya, had to help bury a newborn baby the day before yesterday. Um, something I think he unfortunately has experienced several times. LCU lost a bright light. A Bible major who graduated a couple years ago named Addison Neal. He was a bit of a, a class clown, but he also was deeply faithful and earnest and kind and full of joy. He was passionate and cared about the people around him and his friends and family are grieving his loss. And of course, we lost Ken yesterday. I didn't know him as well as I would have liked. From what I could tell, he was one of a kind. He worked hard, he loved his family, and this family, and this neighborhood, dearly. The world is different than it was a week ago. The bad news is that this sort of pain stays with us through our lives. There are no simple 
explanations or answers in these moments. Grief in the present doesn't have any cure-all antidote. It hurts, and sometimes it feels like it'll never get better. Indeed, sometimes it feels like death has not been conquered. Like loss and pain are the real rulers of the system. My experience is that it does get better eventually, slowly, but it's always there. I've mentioned a writer that I love, Anne Lamott, before on this subject. She's someone who's familiar with with loss and grief. One thing she says along these lines, she says it's like having a broken leg that never heals perfectly. It still hurts when the weather gets cold, but you learn to dance with a limp. Right now, I'll tell you, I don't feel like dancing much. Yet we grieve, as Paul says, as those who have hope. Lamott's words always ring in my ears in moments like this. Death is not the end of living. It's the end of dying. We know not that we can avoid the valley of the shadow of death, but that when we walk through it, our good shepherd is with us. We know that this shepherd is no stranger to death. That in Christ, we have one who walks there too. Who walks through it and comes out the other side a victor over death. The early church had this same struggle. As the decades passed and life moved on, they wondered when he would return. Why he was taking so long to bring all things into order and peace. During times when persecution broke out, Christians were tempted to think that death and corruption were the real powers at work in the world. Invited by the suffering they endured to despair of hope. But they encouraged each other with words like Paul's in 1 Thessalonians 4. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Despite what might seem to be the case, death has been overcome by life. Our apparent ruin has been undone forever because Christ has come, Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. Our Lord has come among us. United with our very flesh, he sits at the table with sinners and calls us out of the darkness of our lives to come home. And instead of avoiding humiliation and suffering and death, 
this unstoppable eternal love that is God reckons with them and defeats them in his own flesh, in his own person. This is not a distant and uncaring God. This is a God who joins us in the darkness, who is with us and in and among us, rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. God is not far from us. In Christ, we see God weeping over death alongside us. And in that story, we hear our own names called, the names of those who find our lives and ourselves in God, the names of those sent into those same dark places to eat at the table with sinners like ourselves, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep, though not as those who have no hope. This is a message that's woven through the Christian and the Jewish heritage, going all the way back through Scripture. So I want to close with one last passage, a passage of great hope for the Jews and and the Christians, a passage from Isaiah 25. For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. When the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm, the noise of aliens like heat in a dry place, you subdued the heat with a shade of clouds. The song of the ruthless was stilled. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. He will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Amen.